2: Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Live from Los Angeles, the win without competing show with Dr. Arlene Barrow, host and creator of the Right Fit Method, the key. To professional and personal success. Now let's join Dr. Arlene. Thank you, Virgil. Celebrating our 90th radio show today, Don't Quit Your Job, Fix the Fit. Welcome to Win Without Competing. Today's radio show is our 90th to celebrate I selected a national employee-employer situation, which needs immediate, effective solutions. Do you know that by the end of 2014, 30 million employees will have suddenly become unemployed? All of these employees decided to quit their jobs. They just walked out. Now what? Unemployed is unemployed. Employers have a wide array of objections, and search for them in resumes and candidate interviews is to reduce the risk of hiring wrong fit employees. Avoid creating that objection of unemployment. Don't quit your job. Fix the fit. The question is, how do you fix the fit? I am a behavioral educational psychologist who created the right fit method and right fit branding strategies to figure out right fits, capture them, maintain them, and fix the fits that need adjusting. I created all of this for you. In some situations, you can fix the fit over the short term so that you do not feel compelled to leave. You extend your stay at work with the goal of securing the right fit position. Then you leave your current position with dignity, not out of desperation. In other situations, you can fix the fit on an ongoing basis and maintain your position for many years. Shortly, I will interview two of my clients, professional women, who succeeded in fixing the fits in high-stress work situations, which had made them physically sick. When I first met these professional women by phone, they both wanted to quit their jobs. You will hear what I asked them to do and why it worked. But first, let's find out how songwriter Irving Berlin fixed the fits. Berlin wrote more than 200 songs, including Bless America, White Christmas, Easter Parade, and Alexander's Ragtime Band. He was hired to write songs for stage and film musicals. He even owned his own musical theater, The Music Box, in New York City. Before age 30, he was a music legend. He started his career when he left the sixth grade to support his family, after his father died. Here's how Berlin fixed the fit in the Army. He hated getting up at 5 a.m. He wrote songs all night long and needed to sleep during the day. What did he do? He told the head of the Army base that he wanted to write a musical and produce it on the base. To do that, of course, he needed to write at night and sleep during the day. He also mentioned that the nearby Navy base would also be producing a musical. Berlin's strategy worked. He never had to rise again at 5 a.m. In his 70s, Berlin had a challenge he could not fix. His employer was the public. He did not know how to maintain the popularity of his music during the age of rock and roll, with Elvis Presley singing White Christmas his way, which certainly wasn't Berlin's way. Berlin stopped writing songs because he felt that rock and roll pushed him out of the picture. He became a recluse. In 1989, Berlin died in his sleep at age 101. Composer George Gershwin called Berlin the greatest songwriter who ever lived. I believe Berlin was very clever and could have fixed the fit. I believe that his ego prevented him from fixing the fit. He retreated for 25 years before passing away. What a loss. On to my guests. To ensure the privacy of my clients, I will not use their real names nor disclose where they live. My first guest is Dana. An information technology executive with a strong engineering background who approaches technology challenges in a unique way. Welcome, Dana, to Win Without Competing.
1: Well, thank you, Dr. Arlene. It's a pleasure
2: being here. It's my pleasure to have you. We started working together more than a year ago. You called my company, Barrow Global Search to speak with me. I know that you did an internet search before calling me. Of course, you're an IT executive. Why did you decide to call me?
1: Well, my my initial search was for executive recruiters. I was just looking for somebody that could get me another job. But when I came across your website, I noticed that you also mentioned that you were a career coach. After listening to the Podcast that you had on the website and also looking at the testimony, it made me realize that I wasn't alone, and that you could be the best person to help me in terms of my dilemma.
2: Wonderful um, I think that it's important um to know that you called us also, I think because we provided a wide array of services, in other words. We do retained executive searches, but we also do business and career consulting and coaching as a result of the success of my book, Win Without Competing, which we'll talk about a bit later. After we finished our first chat, okay, were you ready to work with me and why? Why? I was I was ready to work with you because you were the only person that actually called
1: me directly to uh, inquire about my problem. And also, I was at the uh, point where I was literally planning to leave probably by the end of that week.
2: Ah, so you were all set to quit your job. That's correct. Okay. And shortly, we'll hear why. What was the impact of your job on your health? so that our listeners will understand the severity of the situation even before you have the opportunity to describe it.
1: Well, one of the things about working in IT is that you're pretty much used to working long hours and being available 24 hours, 7 days a week. However, with all the things that was occurring to me, I was finding myself having ulcers, severe digestive problems where I just couldn't eat at work. I developed insomnia. If I did go to sleep, I was thinking about all the problems I had to do at work the next day. And I also developed uh, respiratory problems as well where I had trouble breathing uh, throughout the day.
2: Now, when you were experiencing all of this, did you connect it to the dire situation at work? Uh, What do you mean in terms of... What do you mean by that again? Well, in other words... um, you had a very bad work situation, okay? Did you realize that your severe stress was causing you all these physical issues?
1: At first, at first, I didn't realize it, but then I noticed that I would always feel a little bit better when I get home, but it would always get worse when I got to work, and that's when I realized it was just the toxic environment that at work that was causing all of my physical health issues.
2: Okay. So from a logical perspective it made sense that you wanted to quit because you were feeling so physically sick and as I remember when we spoke you didn't really know what to do. And that when we had our initial conversation, uh you had the confidence that I could be of help to you. Does that is that correct?
1: Oh uh, yes, because Before I called you, you know, the remarks and the environment I was in, you know, I was beginning to doubt myself as well as my abilities, even though in the past I've always could rise to any challenge and work and needing it. So, talking, so it realized that I needed to talk with somebody who could see what was going on
2: instead of it just being me casting self doubts on myself. Well, that made good sense. You were also working, as I understand. 84 hours a week. So you were pushed to the max. Okay. That is correct. Let's, let's figure out what was going on. Did you select a wrong fit job expecting it to be the right fit or did you select a wrong fit job unknowingly not seeing the red flags?
1: I I I picked the wrong fit job unknowingly. I did not I did not see the red flags prior to the interviews. I thought I asked all the right questions, but obviously I did not uh, pay attention to the flags that might have appeared.
2: Okay. Now, I know that you told me when we started working together that at the first interview, the head of HR had an open argument uh, with the CFO do you know what that was all about? Well, not going into any
1: specifics. It was in regards to my to my interview, and it was a question that I asked the company in regards to the uh, position. At that point, the CFO gave you know gave the answer, and then I noticed that the head of the head of HR contradicted him and started pretty much arguing with him during my interview. I actually had to uh, intervene to kind of you know, calmed
2: everyone down. Well, that was brave of you to do during an interview. That was excellent. I guess you felt very uncomfortable. Well, I've been in situations like
1: that before in meetings. I mean, this this is the first time I ever had it done in a professional interview,
2: supposedly a professional one. Right. But that was a red flag, correct? In other words, that indicated something, right? That's correct. I realize that now. Right. Right. So now, um, because that's what we had talked about. All right. So that was the first red flag. Also, too, um, you were told that you were going to report to a partner. Is is that that accurate? That is correct. The way the org
1: chart was set up, I was supposed to report
2: to him along with all the other C-level executives. All right. But in actuality, you ended up reporting to the head of HR, the person who started arguing with the CFO. That's correct. Okay, so that was your second red flag, right?
1: (laughs) And I wasn't aware of it until after they hired me on my first day on
2: the job. (laughs) Right, when you figured out that she was the person you're going to report to. Okay, let's investigate this a a bit further here. Okay, I'm beginning to think that uh, when pers- people, employees are trying to figure out right fits, they almost need to have a detective working behind the scenes to help them. Because you discovered something very interesting uh, shortly after you joined them. You discovered that prior to accepting the position as the chief technology information officer, there were three others who had come and gone in a two-year period that is correct now, how did you feel when you heard that
1: i was um uh, it was actually in disbelief i was fortunate i was fortunate enough to have a vendor who actually i had a rapport with in past years actually tell me this information so when i heard about that I was number four in the line of CTOs. Within 12 months, it was a shock. Okay.
2: Could you, you know, kind of in hindsight, um, knowing what you know now, could you have discovered this prior to accepting the position? I don't think I
1: would. I could have uh, found that information. And the reason why I say that, Dr. Arlene, is because, Um, During the interview, I was told that I was going to have a a team of uh, IT people reporting to me, and then I found out after I got hired that uh, half of them already left prior to them interviewing me.
2: Right. But in terms of uh, the three uh, chief um, technology information officers, don't you think that IT executives would have heard in your geographic area, about this particular company,
1: they might—they might have, if, if they worked in that in that uh, business sector that this company was in, they right, probably right. would have known about them.
2: Right, right. Um, would you agree that it would make sense that in the future, this is something one would want to investigate—the stability of the company in terms of employees, because the companies. Very- Yeah, if companies can't retain employees, we have a serious problem.
1: That's correct. And it's something that has to be uh, carried out as soon as possible
2: before you say yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Because you don't want to go to a company where the door is swinging and everybody's rushing out the door. Okay, now let's hear about your work situation. What were you hired to do, according to your position description?
1: According to my position, my description, my let's see, my purpose and my goals was to see about the, the security audits when it comes to IT, also uh, managing the projects. There was about thirty projects when it came to uh, doing upgrades, hardware and software upgrades. Providing leadership and direction when it comes to the direction of technology for the firm, as well as providing leadership and management for a, uh, let's for a team of uh, of IT people in multiple uh, sites across the United States.
2: Okay, and I believe across the U.S. there are 150 employees. Is that accurate?
1: That is correct. There's 150 employees.
2: Okay. All right. Now. What did you do on a daily basis?
1: Well, let's see. What I did is that about 25% of my time was pretty much uh, spent when it came to looking at emails and also forwarding emails to the uh, person in charge of HR who required that all emails be forwarded to her in addition when it comes to communication outside the uh, company. Also, I reviewed the events and, the events from the previous day, and got together with what was left of my team, my dwindling team, when it came to what the day's goals are. So that took up about a quarter of the time. Um, about 75% of my time was pretty much providing IT help support. So I pretty much was essentially IT support because of uh, the lack of uh, the lack of my uh, group pretty much being pulled away from me. Afterwards, okay. I. If I had any time afterwards, which was usually beyond eight hours, it was to do the actual IT management, uh things that I was assigned
2: to do when I got hired. Now, why were, were your, why was the staff pulled away? You were not told this obviously before they hired you. Uh,
1: that is that is correct. As like I said, when at the time of uh, when I interviewed, I was told that I was going to have a staff, and they gave me the numbers. When I got hired, I found out that the only people that were left were two programmers. And I also learned that the head of HR was actually assigned them to do duties outside of IT, even though they were supposed to be under my supervision. Did you ever discuss that with her? I did I did talk to her about that, and for the most part, her response was, is that because I was on 90 day probation probation being a new employee that uh she would she would take me under her wing and that uh until I got to understand how the company uh how the company worked in her words
2: ah she said that but that wasn't the real truth because in actuality she never gave you back those IT people am I correct That is correct. There were
1: promises that I could actually bring more, that I could actually rehire my staff again. And they kept being excuses. They kept delaying my recs until
2: I found out the reason why they they were not uh, hiring more people for my staff. Felt imprisoned and wanted to escape. That's what you told me. Explain about the time clock, how the execs were expected to clock in and clock out.
1: Oh yes, one of the um, say One of the policies is that they have a time clock, and normally, if you're a salaried event person, those of you who are in that position, you know that you don't work a straight eight hours, but you usually work more than ten, and you come in and out as as you need. But you put the work you put the work in. Uh, one thing that this uh, person did is that not only did she mandate how long our lunch breaks were, when we could go to lunch, but also any time that we left the we left our offices, say, to go to a meeting or even to go to use the restroom, we were supposed to punch out on the time clock with an explanation why we punched out. And what made it kind of interesting is at a meeting that I was at with her, she called me to a meeting, and the first thing that she did is she opened up a computer and looked at the punch clock to see if I punched out with the statement that I was at a meeting. So it was a lot of micromanagement by one person.
2: She also did personal and professional bashing. Can you talk about that?
1: Well, what I have is I have weekly IC staff meetings, and because I was on perpetual probation, she pretty much attended those meetings to be kept up to speed in terms of what's going on, even though she has no technical uh, background whatsoever. And what I what I've learned is that when the meeting starts, she would immediately take over the meeting, and for the most part, instead of it being a meeting of technology, it pretty much became um, character bashing. Not only would she bash the, uh, you know, she would start the, uh, demeaning my staff, but she would also demean my, me in terms of saying my in- inability to do things in front of my staff, which in my 23 years of, uh, let's say, of being in IT, I found, am- I found incredible and Justly professional.
2: So she insulted you professionally, and demeaned she, she you personally.
1: Exactly. It was. Uh, I will admit, it's it's disheartening to hear to be in a situation like that. It was almost like being a child, being bullied.
2: Now you really understand why you are physically ill, right? When you hear yourself explaining the situation. Yes. I was concerned that your employer was getting ready to fire you, especially after giving you a warning notice. The company was also financially shaky. This is what we did together to prolong your position with this company. We agreed that you would not quit no matter what. How did you feel about that? I kind of when you said "don't quit no
1: matter what," my first thought was you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but then after you ex- after you explained it, then it started to make sense.
2: Okay, was I right?
1: Uh, you were you were very right, and all the things that you were saying that they were trying to do. Once I got back to work, I realized that you you know that they were doing those exact things. It's almost, almost as if they were reading it from a script.
2: Right. Oh, you think I was telling them to do all that behind your back? <laughs> Tina? <laughs> um, yeah,
1: oh damn. no, but but you were able to see what was going on. Right, right. You no, know, I understood. Yeah, box.
2: I understood what was going on behind the scenes because I could see all the red flags. You were surrounded by red flags and they kept doing more red flags. It was just a constant parade of red flags. So you had the red flags before Okay, then you had the red flags from day 1. All right. So, I recommended that you read my book Win Without Competing to learn my right fit method to reinforce what I was saying. Did you find that helpful?
1: I found the book very helpful. I even still use it even now as a, re- you know, as a reference book to refresh myself. So that I don't fall into those
2: pitfalls again. So now would you say that you're a person who sees red flags? I have yes, I you can say that I got my
1: my uh glass prescription uh, fixed and I can actually see those flags a lot clearer than I did
2: um that's from that previous uh company. Excellent. I gave you specific advice on what to say, what to do, how to act and even how to dress. That is correct. I am, right. And what were your thoughts there?
1: These were the, the What you suggested were things that I never would have thought of doing on my own. Um, and maybe it's because of the fact that I couldn't see the forest for the trees on that. But I didn't understand the impact of the actions that I had toward inci- inciting them more so until you started explaining what I needed to change. And once I did that, it did at least lower it somewhat. So so that really
2: helps. I think it made it tolerable. We obviously couldn't get rid of it. We're just trying to make it tolerable so that you didn't have to quit. Openly hostile. Instead, be gracious and lovely and ask for feedback. I know you love my expression, gracious and lovely. (laughs) Um, The employer kept adding more fuel to the fire to incite you, and I wanted you to show them, but they could not intimidate you and force you to quit. The nastier they were, the nicer you became. Your self confidence soared, right? Yes. Yeah. And you were now in the driver's seat. By that yeah. I mean you were managing yourself in a way to not let their attempt to intimidate you, constantly upset you, and prevent you from functioning. That is correct, Dr. You implemented my right fit branding strategies, the results. You no longer felt the need to walk out because the environment was less toxic, meaning that you didn't let it personally eat you up because you were a woman who started to sleep. You learned exactly. to quickly identify red flags so we could effectively manage them. Your probation, your, your probation period was extended two and a half months more than expected, at which time you were downsized along with your entire IT department. In essence, they demolished the department. When they hired you, they never told you they were planning to demolish the department.
1: Uh, No, neither did they tell me that uh, any calls that I made when it came to IT support would be directed to the collections department of these
2: uh, companies. Ah, because they were so financially strapped that they really didn't have any choice and in actuality should not even have hired you because they couldn't afford you. Correct. While we were busy strategizing how to maintain your position, we were preparing you for the future. You used my app, I Brand You for Hire, Rate Your Brand Zero to Hire. Then together we created a plan to find the right fit position, which included... Discussing your core identity, focusing on know thyself now, designing a blueprint of the right fit position based on your core identity, developing a unique, intriguing, and recognizable brand, which is the signature of the resume package we crafted, how did you feel when we went through this process of working together toward the future, rather than just focusing on how to keep you physically healthy and emotionally safe? Actually, it, it
1: gave me hope, Doctor Arlene. And also, in addition to that, it also, by having that by having that the, that branding page in front of my hands. Anytime during the day when things started to get down and I kind of doubted myself, I always kind of looked at that to realize, you know, this is who I am, not what they're telling me that they think I am. So you actually you, know, you actually provided, to, for me, life at the end of a very
2: long, dark tunnel. You know, it's interesting you say that about that page. I didn't realize you had done that, but I noticed that sometimes my guests tell me when they're feeling low they like to go back and listen to themselves on this radio show. So I think that's a very nice uh, compliment, and I'm glad that it gave you that type of support and basically confirmed not who they said you were, but who you really are. What advice do you have for our listeners?
1: Uh, The advice that I have for the listeners there is that you know, no matter how bad things are, I know that you probably feel that you are the only person and you're alone and you have no one to support you. But there are you know, but there is hope when it comes to uh getting out of those situations. Uh I strongly encourage no matter how bad it is, do unless there's extreme circumstances, do not quit your job. Find some, you know, find someone doctor like Doctor Arlene, who can actually help you when it comes to getting out of that toxic environment and into uh a better clean a better clean environment for you
2: so looking back you would have done what we had done would you say that's accurate that is accurate dana thank you yes. for joining me today and sharing your personal and professional story
1: thank you dr arlene it's a pleasure being here
2: my next guest is my client, Tina, a healthcare billing and management professional who is an expert in growing medical practices, doubling, tripling, and quadrupling medical practices annual revenue. Welcome, Tina, to Win Without Competing. Thank you for having me. We started working together about two and a half years ago. You had emailed your resume to Barrow Global Search. I decided to call you and find out why you were searching for a new job because on your resume, the job looked spectacular. As soon as you started to speak, I heard the stress in your voice. I knew that you had significant work issues as the general manager of a surgical medical practice with 65 employees spanning three diverse companies. Responding to my questions, in our initial conversation, you made the decision to work with me. Why? Well,
0: at the moment that you called me, I was really in a situation that was extremely stressful and extremely depressing where i had been hired on for something that turned out to be a completely different situation than i anticipated and i i really my my self esteem was at such a low ebb that i i wasn't seeing a way out at all so when you called me and offered some of your strategies and solutions it was like a gift from above.
2: Well, that's wonderful. So, so you were feeling encouraged when we finished our first conversation? Then I was indeed. Good. Now, um, you did have significant health issues. Again, similar to Dana. Again, we have the situation where high stress can lower your immunity. You had bronchitis, sinusitis, and asthma. Explain what you did to manage your health using my advice, which included diet changes. I remember, for example, talking about the elimination of dairy Um, to help you with the sinusitis? Well, we made a
0: a lot of changes in our household to sort of help with that. And along with that, you know, I went to an allergist and a different specialist to help me. So it never was really, I mean, it didn't ever totally get better until I left that position but at least it managed it to the point that I was able to continue to do my job and also with your help to you know, actively search for something that would be um, a more pleasant place to be.
2: Were you aware that it was the stress that was causing these uh, physical challenges? Yes, I was. Okay, all right. Does it help, do you think, to be aware of it in terms of trying to alleviate it?
0: I do think that's true. And I do think that the fact that in addition to the changes that you made to help me stay employed while I was looking, the fact that we began working on my um, new resume and the branding package, and so forth, and then I could look back and remind myself that I had been very successful over the years, so even though I was in a situation where people were being um I guess the nicest thing would be to say unkind um <laughs>
2: It was, yeah, that's an understatement. Wait, wait till we go <laughs> through your story here. I mean, that that was a, a really a lovely, gracious thing to say. I think you've really uh, mastered my strategy of lovely and gracious here, or gracious and lovely. <laughs> I doubt that, but I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, either gracious and lovely or lovely and gracious. Either way will work. So now, I know that for many years, okay, you had known the surgeon that owned the company you were managing. In fact, you had worked with him before. Tell us about that.
0: Well, I had had um, some success over the years going into a company that was where the physician was really, really good in medicine, but one might say slightly ma- lacking in Business sense and the ability to to take care of the financial aspects of running a business. So when I first went to work for him, um, the first time he was really in dire straits and we owed everybody in town, and including the IRS. And so it took quite a bit of tap dancing around and this, that, and the other thing. But in the long run. We paid off all the debt. I worked for him for five years. The practice was flourishing. When I left, he was a millionaire. So, I mean, he knew me from previously, and um, he knew that I could help him in his business.
2: That is true. However, he did something a bit unusual when you told him you'd be leaving because of the commute, um, he became angry, and what did he do? Well, he took one of his
0: vehicles, I think it was his Jeep, one evening and came out and made a surgical strike on my mailbox. <laughs> a surgical <laughs> a strike? semi-circle semicircle on my lawn and uh, mowed down my mailbox And, um, I mean, I was at home and I heard all the racket, but I didn't realize it was him until I got to work the next day and a good portion
2: of the front end on his Jeep was missing. so. I see. So you put two and two together and you realized that he was the culprit. I did. But you didn't ask him anything, which I think is rather interesting. And the reason why I'm saying that is it's a foreboding of what is going to be described, so the listeners will have to hold that thought, all right? Tell me, um, over a 12-year period, he pursued you to work with him again. When you accepted the general manager position, did you select a wrong fit expecting it to be the right fit, or... Did you accept a wrong fit job unknowingly not seeing the red flags?
0: I think I took a wrong fit thinking it was a right fit and was very shortly proved to be wrong.
2: Okay. I think that one of the reasons for that, based on what you had told me, had to do with making erroneous assumptions. In other words, when you worked with him the first time for five years, you had a great professional relationship and you respected him. I did. But when you started working as the general manager, he had changed. Tell us what happened, okay, when there was a crisis at work Uh, which you did not know how to handle. One day, he called you on the phone and asked you to come to his office right away. What happened? Um,
0: When I came to his office, he was crying. And um, apparently, one of the other managers, there were three managers for the three companies, all of whom were supposed to be reporting to me and he had thought that when i came in to work that we would all hold hands and sing kumbaya but that wasn't quite what they had in mind and um so he had gotten an ultimatum from one of the managers and he told me that he just didn't really feel that he could do without her And she wanted him to fire me. Well, he wasn't firing me just then, but, you know, in the long run, it was just a more devious way of doing that. And as you and I discussed later on, I really feel that if I had not been judgmental and just felt like all respect for him, from me, was gone because he couldn't stand up for himself. If I had been able to see him dispassionately, then perhaps I could have strategically thought of a way to help him out of that dilemma. Maybe not, but maybe I could have. But I've learned a lot working with you, Dr. Arlene, which I did not know at that time.
2: Well, that's good. In other words, you've grown a lot personally and professionally and that's of course what we want um i agree that you might have had some chance of helping him however something very important that he didn't disclose before asking you to join him again and giving you a lot of ex- responsibility having very high expectations again it was a fixer upper he had financial issues and you seem to have a miraculous touch in terms of growing these medical practices despite the physician's lack of financial acumen. Okay, having said that, he failed to disclose that he was having sexual relations in the office with three managers that were supposed to report to you. When he hired you, thought that you would create harmony among them obviously that was an unrealistic expectation
0: I would say that that's your turn to make an understatement of the year (laughs) the the knives
2: were out (laughs) that's right to be nice about it right okay so as a result what he basically did, he stuck these three women, women, as wolves, okay, to basically get you out, because he had told you that he couldn't get rid of one of them because she did all his personal and private work. Is that correct?
0: That's correct.:
2: OK. So um, of course, there were two others in addition. And I believe that they that they were threatened by you because I'm sure that he had spoken highly of you before um, he introduced you. You did not know them before you started working there because this was an entirely different office. And so you were in a dire situation, um, which would have not been easy to figure out. Um, but there is one thing, and that is that when he called you into his office and he was crying, okay, as we had talked about prior to the show, that if you hadn't been judgmental, you might have been able to get him out of a situation where he basically gave up his power to these three women because instead of him being in charge, they were, and they were managing him. Would you agree?
0: Yes, I would agree, definitely.
2: This is what we did to reduce the risk of the employer firing you. I knew, however, that they wanted to force you to quit. We agreed that you would not quit no matter what. How did you feel when I suggested that?
0: Truthfully, I didn't want to quit because I really didn't want to give them the satisfaction. And so it was part of it was, you know, working on the ability to stay positive and focused and just to be able to do your work constructively in such, uh, you know, such a really negative and nasty atmosphere. But um, some of the things you had me do, I really wasn't very happy about. And you gave me advice about dressing down and wearing pants, and you know, not trying to look perfect, and not working long hours, and not working lunches, and you know not to show people up and everything. And, you know, I'm I'm proud of the work I do. And so that was really kind of hard for me to do. But amazingly, it worked. Right, right. Oh, <laughs> I, I know. I ate
2: my words every day. <laughs> yes, you ate your words. And I kept telling you the same <laughs> things over and over again until you did it because they were torturing you. So ultimately they stripped you of your general manager title they um instituted a pay cut and the three managers to you to death with That's verbal about abuse about it yes right and said all kinds of untruths uh, uh Dana had the same situation all kinds of stuff being made up but my strategies worked and, of course, we know you were gracious and lovely. You stopped arguing with the surgeon and his managers, and you even stopped yelling at him. Am I correct? <laughs> I was really good. <laughs> you were really good. I know. You were a handful. But but we made you do it, and you did it. Okay, so going, I know you were reluctant to follow my advice, but you finally did what I asked you to do. How did my advice work out, and how did you feel?
0: Well, at first, to me, it was humiliating to sort of efface myself. And so it was something that I did because I truly felt that I had to do it because I did not want to be unemployed because I know if you're unemployed, you're really – you're fighting for a job from from weakness instead of strength. And I was actively in prayer through that whole thing because I really needed not just you, but the good Lord on my side, Dr. Arlene. And, you know, it's amazing to me how you can sometimes come through a really dark time in your life with a lot of support and come out on the other side and have things work out again.
2: I agree with you. But I think there was one assumption that you kept making, and that is you believed that working harder was the right solution in that terrible situation you were experiencing. To the contrary, the harder you worked, the more you infuriated the managers. They saw you as a threat, even though the surgeon gave them the power to eliminate you. You showed them up. They weren't busy working hard. They were busy playing politics. That was their job. While the drama continued at work, we created the plan for you to find the right fit position. We succeeded. With your blueprint of the right fit job, your resume package with your signature brand, and my right fit method explained in Win Without Competing, you were ready to search for a new position. I prepared you before each interview, taught you how to broadcast your brand, and to pick, probe, and pitch, searching for the red flags. You accepted a medical practice manager position. You resigned from your current position, Leaving the clutches of the three managers. Most importantly, you followed my advice when resigning. I asked you not to disclose the name of your new employer. You did what I asked you to do, correct? I did. <laughs> you hesitated there. Okay. Okay. I have horrendous stories. Those who did not follow my advice, including a physician, who became the president of my uh, client's company. His tenure was very brief because he didn't follow my advice. And one day I will talk more about his story. Is there anything else? that you would like to add with respect to benefiting from working with me? For example, my book, did you find that beneficial? The
0: book was really, really helpful to me, and it was sort of like the intro to everything that we worked on subsequently. But most of all, you really helped me as far as being to able to analyze people and and the situations that you and they are in, and to strategically look at what would be the best way to handle it. But more than anything else, I would say um, always always stay with your current job until you can find another, because it's not going to hurt your employer if you walk out, but it most certainly will
2: hurt you. So that's the advice that you want to give our listeners then. It is. Good. Tina, thank you for joining me today and sharing your personal and professional story. It's my pleasure, Dr. Arlene. And mine as well. I want to commend Dana and Tina for agreeing not to quit no matter what because they believed my, stat, my strategies would work. Maybe not at first, but ultimately they saw what happened at work. And they were right. The strategies were highly effective. As we continue to work together, they keep adding strategies to their Right Fit branding strategy toolbox. They are armed to succeed, their confidence continues to soar. We are approaching the end of 2014. If you are dissatisfied with your work situation, including no promotion or pay increase, let's fix the fit now. If you are expecting to be downsized, let's prepare for that now. If you have been downsized, let's examine your core identity now. If you are thinking about entrepreneurship, let's talk now. Many job offers are extended during the last week of December and early January. Don't assume that nothing happens at the end of the year. You would be amazed what does happen. Let's make it happen for you. Barrow Global Search works around the globe with clients. We are based in Los Angeles, adjoining UCLA and Westwood, at 10940 Wilshire Boulevard, Suite 1600, Los Angeles, California, 90024. To call Dr. Arlene, 310 443 4277. To email, dr, dr. Barrow at Barrow Global, B A R R O. G L O B A L dot com. Learn more at Global dot com, competing dot com, dot com, and of course Dr Arlene Right Fit Method, all spelled out. Listen to all the radio podcasts on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, or DrBarrow dot com. Be sure to read the excerpts on the Win Without Competing site from my book, Win Without Competing, and use my app, I Brand You for Hire. Rate your brand zero to higher. Tune in to our last two radio shows of 2014. Thursday, December 4th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Thursday, December 18th, at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Remember, don't quit your job, fix the fit. Thank you for joining me today to celebrate our 90th radio show. Goodbye for now. This is Dr. Arlene.